Today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show on The Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the 2018 presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons Podcast. A whopping 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. We're also brought to you by All the Pieces Matter, the inside story of The Wire. You know who wrote this book, Chris Ryan? Jonathan Abrams. Our old Grantland teammate, one of my favorite people in the world. He interviewed everybody for The Wire for an oral history of probably my favorite TV series ever. Where does it rank for you? Uh, one, two, something. something. Justin Barrier, where does it rank? It's up there. Top I, five, I top six? I would actually rank it lower. On a rewatch, some of The Wires start to... Show themselves, if you will. Ooh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, wow, this is a terrible plug for Abrams' book. <laughs> I love Abrams. I, love, I bet the book is great. <laughs> I'm gonna say The Wire's best television show ever made. I, it's either one or two for me. I, 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 I don't know where it ranks against Thrones, which has continued to throw me and it isn't over yet. But right now, The Wire is one. Anyway, the book comes out on February 13th. You can order it right now on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, wherever else you buy books. The Wire. Um. If you missed the Ringer NBA show yesterday, we did a new heat check format hosted by John Gonzalez that I thought worked fantastically. And great pod. And went uh went four different ways, talked to five different Ringer staffers, and that's gonna be the model for that show going forward. We are gonna continue to ramp revamp this feed. On Friday, we have an NBA draft podcast that we're launching that will happen every Friday with Kevin O'Connor, Danny Chow, and Jonathan Jarks. And on Thursday, tomorrow. Post trade deadline during post trade deadline. Yeah, we're going up on a, a eleven thirty Pacific, so whatever that is, two thirty Eastern. We'll be live on video tomorrow, and then there will be a group chat from that video. So we'll go from the half hour before the deadline through the deadline, giving you everything you need to know after the deadline. And my podcast as well, the BS podcast. I will. I'm waiting until after the deadline to tape my podcast, and I'm going to have some NBA guests on too. So there you go. Coming up right now, the pre-trade deadline pseudo emergency podcast with Justin and Chris coming up right now. Okay, we're taping this at eleven sixteen West Coast time Wednesday. So if anything happens, don't blame us. Let's start with the Knicks. Porzingis went down last night. Looked like a sprained ankle. Then he was like clutching his knee, which was a bad sign. You never liked the slamming your hand on the floor. Yeah, the frustration. There yeah. were a lot of all of a sudden red flags for it. You could kind of feel it coming. So here's my only silver lining I can come up with when you lose your best player and uh, foundational piece. At How old is he? 22? Something like that, yeah. Halfway through the season, which means he won't even really be able to come back until probably All-Star break next year. At least now you can tank kind of unapologetically, right? There are only six wins out of the last spot. There, There's some weird similarities to Bernard King going down in 1985 when he was leading the league in scoring, and then they ended up getting the Patrick Ewing pick, which was um, a seven-team even lottery at that point. But... This sucks. On the other hand, if you're looking at it, trying to find a silver lining, I would say, let's say they get Donkic out of this draft. Porzingis comes back a year from now and everything's golden. That's barely a silver lining. It's yeah. a season and a half now. I mean, like, because you have to assume even if they get Donkic, unless he's immediately awesome, that they're going to be bad for the first half of next season as well. And miss the playoffs. Probably, yes. Right. The weird thing is that the day after all this happened, they traded Willie Hernan Gomez, which is the type of guy you would want to play more in the wake <laughs> of Porzingis' yeah. absent. Yeah, it would make too much and sense. And also was apparently one of KP's best friends on the team and that there's uh, reports that the two of them used to speak Spanish to each other and it kind of bothered some of the guys uh, in the Knicks management Locker. structure mm. that they weren't cool with them clicking off and like kind of just talking, talking amongst themselves. So not a great day for KP, not a great 48 hours. Well, thank God Charlotte got another power forward. <laughs> <laughs> they got rid of didn't one know, too. Also Johnny O'Brien didn't know that was an NBA player. Yeah. Yeah. He sounds like a bar we would go to after the podcast. I, here's my fear with Porzingis because I thought about this a lot when there were the 48 hours of rumors when the Celtics might have, might've had a chance for him as Phil Jackson was completely unraveling Godfather two style at mm -hmm. the end there, you know, these tall guys, is he seven foot three or seven foot four? He's three. Yeah. He's tall. 
the injury history of these guys over seven foot three is really alarming. And he had had a number, a number of minor injuries before this, but you think about Sean Bradley blew out his knee. Yao Ming had a shitload of problems. Zadrunas Algaskis had a shitload of problems. Ralph Sampson, his career was over by the time he was 28. Um, Odom, Bynum. Great. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Odin was probably what? Seven foot one. Yeah. Bynum was maybe seven foot one. I'm saying like really over, tall yeah. dudes. They just don't seem to age well. The only the only guy I can remember who really was able to kind of survive it was Kareem, who was an alien, who wasn't a human being. But other than that, it's I, I don't know whether it's because of the height, it's more things can happen as they take their giant steps or or what, but it's it's concerning. And and then you look at the history of what happens to these tall guys when they've had a couple injuries from the hips on down and they're just not the same after a while. And I think he can come back from this, but now the margin of error is 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 closing. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I mean, my biggest concern with him is not only is he tall, he's just all limbs. And yeah. this isn't just an isolated incident. And this is the biggest injury that he's had, but he's had little things pretty much throughout his career. This was the big concern I think Phil Jackson had with him to begin with. Yeah. Which is weird to say that Phil Jackson might have been right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think going forward, not only, yeah, it's great that they can tank, they can get another guy in there, which is what they need more than anything. They're forced to think long-term more than ever. But I think we have to start wondering if KP can play that much if he's in kind of the Anthony Davis kind of worry zone. Yeah, Concepcion was saying he he never thought he should have played more than 28 to 30 minutes a game. I, I have to admit, I'm not watching the Knicks every game like some of the Knicks fans, but I did watch a lot. And I really like watching Porzingis, and especially early in the season when he was going off. It seemed like every time I watched the game, he was stepping on somebody's foot or having something, or oh, that that seemed bad. He has, a and little, it was like an every two weeks type thing of like a, a a nervous scare that ended up being okay, and this time it wasn't. He's obviously able to extend out to the three point line, but one of the best parts about watching Porzingis is those like two step follow up dunks and right. or coming from across the weak side to block the shit out of somebody's shot. A lot of what he does are these incredibly athletic. In the air, yeah, coming down, just like, and a and pile that, that's of legs. That's where weird things. stuff happens. That's yeah. when you when you're when you're jumping at a time when nobody expects you to jump is when weird stuff happens. I hope that he comes back. I do worry about him losing some of the ferocity of his game because that's my the thing I love most about him is for as much as he he'll take a three, I love that that crashing of the rim that he does. I or, guess, I would, or maybe he has to refine his game. Like Rick Smith is another guy who's seven foot four, had a bunch of injuries earlier in his career. And really kind of slowed his game down and just became a low post. Yeah. Type Does of he become a really whatever. crafty passer out of the post? Do Maybe you, do you that, guys I would say that was that should be the model for him going forward is is Rick Smith's. I don't think it's a good idea for him to be above the rim all the time because I just think it's too risky. It's really disappointing though. When you thought I about Kristaps is like the next unicorn. Yeah. So I, I would also maybe tell him to get a real trainer in the offseason. Maybe get a guy that like his best advice is and should just go take a nap. All the time, or deadlift, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The guy who looked like like a jacked Mister Clean, just giving him <laughs> advice. Not a good sign. Yeah, there's also like this is a couple of seasons, and we're past the rookie wall, pretty pretty far past the rookie wall. And you know, earlier in the year, I think it was after a Miami game, and he was just like, "I'm just so tired." And you yeah, just, it's not that you don't want to hear that, but I think that he was he would express a level of exhaustion that I'm sure many NBA players feel. But I, for me, if you're not going to win the title this year and your, your franchise is saying I'm tired, maybe that's, that's when the, the two week fake hamstring, fake back injury comes up and you just let that yeah, guy Maybe you protect bit. him on some back to back. Yeah, that's what and, I'm saying. Yeah. I, th- I think the way Philly has handled Embiid has been really smart. I don't think he's played a back to back this whole season. Their schedule has been really favorable the last couple of weeks from, a schedule overload standpoint, which I think is one of the reasons he's played a lot better. But, you know, if we were going to, if we had said yesterday afternoon, we were like, who would be the two people you'd be the most afraid are going to get hurt tonight? We would have picked Embiid and Porzingis. And those seven foot three, seven foot four guys, I, I just think it's really hard. The history is not great. And, uh, and I'm worried because that first month, it was like, holy shit, this is on. He's going to win the scoring title. I yeah. thought he was going to go for 32 a game. MVP I thought, talk. I thought LeBron should join the Knicks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I still think that would be fun, but you know, a little bit different now. So there's a couple of things the Knicks, who who on the Knicks, I guess they could sell quasi high on Courtney Lee, right? Yeah, that's a good one. 
He's making, uh, I think, $11 million a year. Yeah. And he's shooting well I don't know. What is it this year. Is Courtney Lee, he's an $11 million a year guy who's the seventh man on a good team. Well, this is the thing that I was talking about. Haley has a piece going up today that's a, that's basically the idea of it is the any other year all-stars. So it's yeah. guys that in any other financial situation over the last couple of years when everybody was just drunk on cash, guys like Courtney Lee would be really hot property at the trade deadline because somebody's like, a guy who can shoot? Like a veteran who can shoot, who's not going to get scared of the moment. Let's do it. He pushed the Hornets into the playoffs, what, two years ago? Exactly. And I'm thinking, you know, as a Sixers fan, the Sixers are in eighth and we could use some some shooting, some on the ball playmaking, maybe. I mean, I'm not enamored with Courtney Lee, but guys like Courtney Lee, especially somebody like Bazemore, who's like a pretty good outside shooter. But you want to play Bazemore 20 million in two years? You shouldn't be doing anything with your cap space. Nothing, Ryan. but I'm saying that <laughs> I like, would keep all of that. This cap is space my inner Neil Olshay coming out, where I'm just getting seduced by people being on the market. But this year, I think everybody should just stay away from guys like that. You know, I this is where I've stood forever. Don't don't spend on guys who aren't all stars if you can't win the title. You know, I I just feel like the Hardaway contract, which was ridiculed and rightly so, but even Courtney Lee, like we're where are you going with him? Why are you paying that amount of money? Why are you paying that amount of money for Bismack Biombo if you're not going to win the title? There's 40 guys like that. I think it makes sense for a team like the Thunder. Yeah. And that's And Courtney Lee is actually someone that Kevin O'Connor brought up in his article today about how they're trying to fill Andre Roberson's spot. They really haven't had a two guard since James Harden that was like a consistent part of that team. Uh, I think a team like that That's makes the sense. only team that makes yeah. sense. Like teams that are just, they're already pot committed and they have to go for it. What's funny, we say this all the time. These teams all try to make their teams in, in July, yeah. in August. But then you get to December, January, February, and every year there's dudes available for less money in less years than what you would have had to pay in July, August. Like right now, you could have Courtney leave for the next three years for $32 million. If you signed him to that in July, it's a good trade. It's a good signing. It's like, ah, oh, we got Courtney Lee for three years, 32. But now it's like, it's, you know, it's almost like a discount. And yet nobody has the cap space to get something like that. I think Oklahoma City's big move. I'm convinced Avery Bradley's going there. And I think the trade is pretty logical. It's Abrinas and Ferguson, who's two years away from being anything. Two years remotely. away from being two years he away. Maybe two years away from being two years away. <laughs> but if you're the Clippers and you don't want to pay Bradley, you already, it came out today finally that they are going to pay Lou Williams. You probably don't want to pay Bradley and Lou Williams and Austin Rivers like $45 million a year combined for a season when you're not going to win the title anyway. So you flip them into Abrinas who expires next year and then you get uh, Ferguson. You get to roll the dice with somebody who, I don't know, if he was in the draft this year, I think he would be a top 12, 13 pick maybe. Yeah, those are two interesting guys. I've always had a Abrinas fetish. So I think he'd be interesting kind of coming out here and seeing if he can shoot again. Um, and then if you're OKC, you can walk away from that Bradley contract and you cut some tax for yeah, next year. Yeah, and in the meantime, you show Paul George you're serious. He might yeah. actually make more sense in that lineup. But we always talk about Roberson and his offensive concerns. At least Bradley has a little bit of offense. You can even run him maybe more in the second unit. He could do a little bit more. Well, and what does he do the best out of anything other than defense? It's it's make wide open shots, which, which have, are available on Oklahoma he does, like those, those shots are there. Like, like Raymond Felton gets those shots, you know? That's the one move out there that I look at all the all the major teams. I don't think there's a move that can save Cleveland. If they save Cleveland, it's going to have to come with some sort of combination of the guys they have. Well, now I'm on. I'm where Justin. Justin all season. Well, for, since Cleveland sort of started to collapse around, I guess what Christmas. Yeah, when, pretty much when Isaiah came back. Yep. <laughs> um, Justin has been advocating for an almost unprecedented roster overhaul in midseason. We just like just blow it up. It's, it's like LeBron and then whatever you can get for the guys that are already there, plus the Brooklyn pick. Well, and I know, see if you I know they're, together, shopping, uh, they're shopping Tristan Thompson and Jared Smith everywhere. Mm. So can but, we do this now? Are we talking about Cleveland now? Well, hold that for one second. Um, I think Oklahoma City is the only team that has the means and the capability to actually improve their team. I don't think Cleveland can do it. I don't see any path for Golden State to do it. Really, the only contracts they have that they can move are Iguodala or Livingston, and I don't think they're going to do that. Toronto just doesn't have the the they they're just tied up with those two giant contracts. They could flip Bruno and you know a second rounder for like a tenth man. It's not going to make a huge impact. Boston's kind of made their move with Greg Monroe. Mm -hmm. I don't see them doing anything else. 
Um, who? What are the other contenders? What about Tyreek? Tyreek. That's what I mean. It's it's like smaller. Whatever. I don't think they're going to vote for first round pick for Tyreek. I think they would trade Marcus Smart for him potentially. Wash. Minnesota has Cole Aldridge's contract. Yeah. So that could turn into Avery Bradley. I don't. If they put him yep. in a Cole Aldridge in a pick for Avery Bradley, maybe. Maybe. You wonder about Washington. They always make a move, but now John Wall is out. Sadoransky is playing well, so I don't know if you really want to mess with what they have going. Milwaukee, although they have Milwaukee's already made their moves. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And then San Antonio never makes a move, especially in the midseason. Yeah, I, I, can't I don't remember think they're going to make a move. Not, not while this Kawhi question is still... I mean, they may not, he might not play this year. I, I have no idea. Right. So Bradley, if he goes to OKC, in my opinion, a significant move because... And I don't think we do this enough when we talk about contenders trading for players. Avery Brad, like my goal is to beat Golden State in Houston in a playoff series. If I whatever trade I'm making, I have to get somebody who could be on the court to beat those teams. We know that Bradley plays well against Golden State. We know he is one of the best three or four guys who, you know, he's Kyrie Irving had got better the better of him last year, but he's somebody that's guarded him. But he's done a really nice job on Steph. There's Houston guys he can guard. And you know, if you get him you're better off. That's somebody who can play crunch time for you. I felt the same way with the Celtics getting Greg Monroe, where um, who is weirdly underrated now for somebody who's 27. I have to admit, I just like completely did not watch him in Phoenix. Yeah. Well, he's, he was basically playing out his deal, but he's 27. He was 17 and 10 one year and 69 another year. You know, he can post up. You know, he's a good passer. He's got specific skills that if they're in a playoff series against Cleveland, the only guy who can guard him on Cleveland is Tristan Thompson. They're not. They're gonna I, have I to double to him. <laughs> I who else? To after watching last night, <laughs> oh, maybe yeah, maybe nobody. <laughs> or if Tristan Thompson got rejuvenated, so you know that's somebody that makes sense. Like if he's in a Golden State series, you can't really guard him with Draymond. You could, but that's now you're taking a lot of steam out of Draymond. Anyway, I think Bradley, if Oklahoma City got him, that's significant. They are suddenly the best defensive team. In the league, if Westbrook's trying, yeah, I mean Paul George has been on another level on that end. It's weird. the All Star, the All Star snub was weirdly awesome for him. Yeah, because I think he's been better than Russ. Yeah, most of the year. Well, it seems like there's been a slight alpha dog tweaking. Mm. I don't want to say it shifted, but he's becoming you know, more of the Durant. He's becoming more yeah. of the one A, and I think it's actually perfect for him because I don't think he wants to emotionally and intellectually be the face of the team or the voice of the team, but he wants all the on-court benefits of that. And it, there was a, just last night, he was absolutely astonishing on defense. He was so good. He was great. He's, he's kind of and taken it, the mantle from Kawhi as the guy who seems like he's a little too big to be in the kickball game and can just <laughs> grab ball, grab basketballs away from people. And on offense, you know, it was, it was pretty fascinating to watch. Like clay was having a lot of trouble with him on offense last, last yeah. night. Clay was like trying, like was doing his best. Like clay was pretty locked in and he was getting called for a lot of fouls, but like, it just seemed like it, it's so rare to see somebody give the warriors fits. And George is that guy. I do think they need to make a move though, because before this game, they had lost what four straight, and their defense yeah, they, looked they just bad played with, without well. Roberson. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they do need someone else there because I think for a lot of the time, like Roberson would take some of the better matchups, and George could freelance, and they did a lot off of that. I think together they were really, really good. I might have said Roberson was even Defensive Player of the Year going into uh, that injury, but I still think they need a little bit of something because they were kind of getting worked by bad teams right before this night, and Houston. Uh, Roberson was huge for them mm -hmm. against Harden. Now it's just like Paul George or bust if they play Harden. They don't have that type of the six foot five creator type or even somebody like Jamal Murray you saw last week. Yeah. They just couldn't stop him. But if you put Bradley on that team and now that's your crunch time, by the way, Bradley's better than Roberson and Roberson Roberson. Did we ever decide what it is? Roberson? I think it's okay. Roberson. Okay. Question mark. But he's just better. A lot like, of people if that's today are talking about, though, even though Roberson has been having a really decent season and it was playing out of his mind on defense, that you could still... I don't still, trust him, though. The you free throw shooting... You could basically turn him into a liability in yeah, a playoff series. You can't do that with Bradley. And the other thing is, Bradley is, is a depreciated value for reasons that are just not his fault. Like, I watched the guy in Boston his whole career... Stevens always would get him good shots. He can't create his own shot, mm -mm. but he's if he's playing with people there's who can create shots or coaches. Too, right? and yeah, there's been yeah. off court stuff. The uh, 
the sexual uh, assault accusation and all that stuff? Did he pay off somebody? So he's had some things going on off the court. On the court, he's playing with Reggie Jackson and uh, this weird team that didn't totally make sense. I think if you put him on OKC and just like stand in that corner, Russ is going to hit you, you know, every five plays. I think he'd be a weapon. Yeah, I mean, the defensive metrics weren't kind to him with Detroit. Now, a lot of the metrics weren't kind to most of Detroit throughout this past season. Uh, but he's basically a 3 and D wing at this point, and those guys are really hard to come by. And he has playoff experience. He has experience in big games. So I really like the fit there. By the way, that's why I don't trust defensive metrics at all. Because mm. defensive, defensive metrics tell us that Avery Bradley wasn't good on defense this year and that Kawhi Leonard is actually overrated <laughs> and things like that. I just don't trust it. Yeah. Uh, Golden State, Oklahoma City is a round two matchup. That I am drooling for. Unless Minnesota beats Oklahoma City in round one or San Antonio falls back and somehow Oklahoma City vaults up. But, you know, that's not a great matchup for Golden State. I wouldn't want to play Oklahoma City in round two if they had Avery Bradley. If they didn't have Avery Bradley, I'd bring him on. Yeah, and in those games, Russ always goes for the jugular. And it feels like the Warriors are a little on tilt. I don't know if it's because of that, because Russ is just going full speed right at them. But it just seemed like they're off their game. Draymond got, what, ejected last night? Uh, what for, was weird about that, the announcers predicted it before it happened. Juliet predicted <laughs> right. it, like, in the, the, the first five minutes, yeah. The Terrible Players Only pod, uh, broadcast, but it was the one moment they had where they were like, Draymond's on tilt, he's, he's going <laughs> to get thrown just, out. There are nights where Draymond is just screaming at everybody, and I think if he gets into a physical altercation, even if it's just, like, going up for a basket and he falls down and he thinks that he's been wronged in the call, it's he doesn't forget. He doesn't leave the play behind, and so he'll start... If he gets off in a bad mood like that, you can kind of exploit that. And I, I think the Thunder have actually got quite good at getting under Draymond's skin. Yeah. So And Westbrook versus Curry has never been an ideal matchup for Curry. There's an athleticism that he just can't match. I'm gonna say as great some, as he is. I'm gonna say something that I'm going to regret eventually because yeah. the, the Warriors are gonna win the title. I kind of like the Rockets right now because I don't trust the Warriors in big games. I do not trust. I, I do not think the Rockets have a chance. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, I don't know if it's the three, one thing, but like even the past two Oklahoma city games, it seems like Durant is off at times. It's just like, things are just James not Harden the way they need out to be. In multiple playoff series is <laughs> Chris true. Paul has bet not the, really shown himself to have a body that can sustain it through the postseason, And I'm not entirely sure that any of the other guys on that team are like, they're going to make up the difference. If any, either of those two things, Here's the case against it. I think they're 20, 25 and one now when their best guys play the Rockets. Yes. Yes. Capella's a little like young and green. You could see it at times. He gets roughed up with some of the bigger centers, which is like another reason why you'd like the thunder because of Adams. But at the same time, I don't know. They got guys like Richard and Butte, uh, PJ Tucker is just a badass who's going to get into it with them. And I would want to see Katie and those guys respond. There's a, there's also one, a one buyout guy potential for them. I think there's going to be some good buyout guys this year. Hmm. Some of them might be washed, like Tony Allen's almost definitely washed. But (laughs) I also, if he signed with somebody, I'd be at least intrigued. That was another. If he Oklahoma went to Oklahoma thing. City, yeah. like it'd be like, all right, let's see, let's see. I think that having Tony Allen though is doesn't it doesn't solve the problem you're saying, which is like you can't really play Tony Allen in a postseason. You can't series. play him in crunch time. Right now, they're they're still the one crunch time. I think he guy was done short. a couple of seasons ago. I love. He was. Yeah. I think he's been done for two seasons. Yeah, but I mean, the Warriors exposed him like what three years ago when they put Bogut on him in that series. Yeah, and just let him do whatever he could. But even. Just having him, the the illusion of Tony Allen is better than like Josh Hustis. Yeah, he'll probably intimidate someone from the sideline, like a dog. Yeah. Like you go by the fence and he's just barking at you. There's a fight he's getting. My one thing on the Warriors, I'm trying not to overreact to it. I can't believe they have 13 losses before the All-Star break is incredible because they really haven't been killed by injuries other than the one Curry injury. Their bench is not good. They They made such a big fuss about their bench and they spent some money. This might've been the year to let Andre Iguodala go. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think they made the fatal mistake of, you know, put it this way, Belichick lets him go. Belichick also doesn't play Malcolm Butler in the biggest game of the season. So he's not always the greatest judge, but sure. Belichick's like, yeah, Andre Iguodala is old. We can't pay him $15 million a year. Thanks for everything, Andre. Thanks for the two titles. Good luck in your next stop. And he goes and tries to get a stopgap for one year. Um, they didn't. Now they're locked into all these contracts. McCaw took a step back. 
all the weird centers they have. Yeah, I wouldn't trust any of them. There's David a, West the, is a Nick year Nick Young older. is a heat check signing. It's like, I know he's contributed in terms of his shooting, but what do you really, you know, are you going to play Nick Young in the Nick Western Young. Conference semifinals? Jordan Bell was the one really bright spot, but he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think their bench, I, I just don't think it's been reliable. On it. And I also think Draymond, Night tonight just does, isn't the same guy. We were also talking on the way over that them starting Zaza feels like when um, the Thunder would start Kendrick. Yeah, it might even like be you're worse. just doing this because you think you, you were starting a center or something. Like, there's is there a union rule or something? Yeah, it might even be worse than that. Yeah, yeah. Jordan He's, Bell was a much bigger part of this team than I think people realize. Yeah, it, it, it made it hurt sense. Them. For what they want out of the center position. And the one thing I've been kind of trumpeting the past few weeks is like things end sooner than we think. And so Iguodala, Draymond Green, these are guys who like if, if shots aren't falling, things can just go away pretty quickly. I mean, the conditioning with Draymond Green in particular is is a concern. We're just conditioning to- and, and also the emotion that he plays with night to night that I think was a real asset, especially think of like that 25 game winning streak. Yeah. You know, Curry and Thompson were unbelievable. Was it 25 games? I think it was. Yeah. Curry and Thompson were unbelievable, obviously, but Draymond was the motor for that streak. Because there were a couple the, nights when they didn't have it and he just won the game for them. He mm-hmm. was the guy who was pushing them to break the single season win record. He was yeah. like, when they were like, uh, he was like, this is only going to happen once. Like, we have to do this. We have to go for it. You know, and I think that uh, th- th- we're just not used to seeing them be a, a, a switch flip team. It's the same way we're starting to feel about Juliet. Like, she... <laughs> First year, second year, you know, big personality, but we kind of, we manage it and we get past it. But like year four, just the prima donna stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She starts to wear it. Everybody you start looking around. Uh, I'm not worried about Golden State. And I made, after going on TV in 2013 and 14 and TV is constructed to be like, all right, what are we talking about? What's wrong with the Knicks? Can the so-and-so win the title? And you just, it's these grandiose storylines and then you have to give a take and then they're on video for the rest of your life. I've always been more nervous about saying this team's done, that team's done. I'm not nervous about saying this though. The Cavs are done. <sighs> I actually think they're, I, I think this is going to end even worse than people imagine. The signs are just, you can't avoid them. They're one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen. Rarely have we seen a team that just dislikes each other on the court like this. And LeBron has checked out. Other than that, it's going well. And they have no trades to make to fix this. And if you look at their roster, it's like, what above average players do they have other than LeBron with Kevin Love out right now? I was Who thinking- are the above average players of the team? Not Isaiah, not Crowder. No, all the Amon. Not Thompson, not yeah. J.R. Smith, not Amon Shumpert. Like who? Who are the guy? Who are the above average guys? There's none. I can't think of a single good player on that team other than LeBron. You know, and what Kevin Love. A, a huge yeah. indictment of this team as I was thinking about this. We take it for granted because we just now we are expecting it. Isn't it? And I say this as an Isaiah Thomas fan. Isn't it wild what he's doing? Like every night. He's, yeah, he's coming out and just being like, nope, they we all quit on each other. Not like it, it's like these super candid, yeah. really negative, essentially going at Lou because almost every night now he's like, that's not how we did it in Boston. Yeah. In Boston, we tried for the whole game. In Boston, we made adjustments. In Boston, we knew that a team was going to make a run. And when they made a run, we were going to need to be ready for it. And and every night he goes out there in front of the cameras and makes these statements. It seems like he has like filled this void. And Ty Lue obviously got sick last night. Larry Drew finished the game as a coach. But I can't believe this. Like you think about all these other sports, like where what's the other team where a guy is going out and ethering his teammates and his coaches after games. I can't think of another team right now. We've seen teams quit, but it usually happens in the playoffs. It doesn't seem to happen yeah. during, like the 2011 Lakers and the 04 Lakers, I think are good examples of, they just, they came apart at the seams. Especially 2011 Lakers is probably the best doppelganger for this team because they were older. Kobe wasn't practicing. They had some chemistry stuff. They didn't have role players that were nearly as good as people thought. And all the signs were there for the playoff collapse, but we didn't want to believe it because they had just won back to back. This time now, it seems like people are are believing it. They, I, we got to start with the Isaiah Thomas thing, though, because I watched him the last two years. Like, I, you, you can't describe how different he is now versus he was a year ago. You can go in the YouTube clips and watch it, but he's somebody that really relied on on some freaky athleticism for a five foot seven guy. Who now can't jump? Yeah, and now he's a five foot seven guy who can't jump, 
and who doesn't have any legs and can't guard anybody. I don't understand why they're playing them. Yeah, the defense has always been a huge concern with the Cavs, and it only got worse when Isaiah went out there. The one thing that I was struck by last night after all that was happening was just how bad they are on offense with him in there. It's like they had Kyrie, and they could always fall back on, well, we have LeBron and Kyrie. They can kind of shoot us out of these games. We can kind of figure it out that way. But on the other end, like he's not even contributing on the offensive end. So like nah. you're, you're getting suboptimal play on both ends of the floor and so like what are we doing out there especially and then he goes out and and roasts your coach and your team like after the game he's not even like contributing on like a chemistry morale level like he was that's what that was a huge part of his role in boston is he was like this folk hero i'm gonna play through it all we're so tough guy and he is tough still but like watching him last night I don't know how complicated Cleveland's defensive schemes are, and I don't really know how much they change in terms of verbiage from team to team, but he has no idea where he's supposed to stand. There's a couple of times where Orlando guys had corner threes, and it's very obviously like supposed to be like, Isaiah, your only job is in case there's a skip pass to stand yeah. next to Fournier, and he's just like standing at the top of the key guarding air. Nothing. And nothing. Can I say there's a couple other things I got to point out? <laughs> We've been sort of taking for granted that like J.R. Smith is useful and I've because he's such a great character. He's been one of the worst players in the league there all was season. A couple of there was one pick last night. He got he got picked like on a high screen. I swear to God, he held on to the guy who was picking him so he didn't have to go through it. Yeah. Like it wasn't even that hard of a screen, but JR like wrapped his arms around the guy. So he was kind of like, oh no, I got I got destroyed on a pick. I guess somebody else has to switch onto the ball handler. I was like, this is bullshit. No wonder you guys are getting destroyed. And also, it wasn't even that good of a magic team. There are guys who were playing real minutes last night. I was like, who are these fucking and guys? Young Birch. Birch. Down Birch. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Simmons on one leg, Shelvin Mack out there looking like John Stockton. It's insane. Fucking DJ Augustin tore them off <laughs> on a on a pick and roll. And I was like, who is this guy? It's DJ yeah. Augustin. <laughs> yeah, the uh I would you trade Isaiah? Yes. Because he's an expiring. All. I would trade everybody. Well, everybody. so they have a couple moves, right? They have Channing Fry as an expiring and Isaiah is an expiring. That gets them up to 15 million. Tristan Thompson's three years left at 18 million a year. Shumpert's 10 million this year and next year. Kevin Love's 22. There's some variety of something that they could at least roll the dice with without tying themselves up too much. The guy I would go after is Nick Batum mm. because he, I think he's 22 a year for this year and then three after that. You could match that with some sort of combination of whatever that gives Charlotte a lot of salary cap relief. And then you have Nick Batum and, and your defense is better. And that's somebody Didn't I they think that, that about Crowder, though. I mean, are, it, no, is, because Crowder was never that good. I was <laughs> Kevin and I were trying to tell everybody that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think Batum's like he was. A, did he make the all star team or was he a borderline all star? I don't think he's ever made it last year, two years ago. And he makes threes and he's got size and. Yeah, but he's another guy who gets injured a lot. He's, he's right. older. Uh, Good the point. shooting isn't there a lot of the time with him. I mean, I do like the idea of getting him as a throw-in with Kemba. I think that's... Well, that's, what, that's what I was thinking. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, it's like if there's some monster massive trade where you take Batum's contract, you also get Kemba back, you put Fry and you put Isaiah's expiring in there, and then you make them basically take... I guess it would be Thompson or JR, one of those two. They'd have to eat some money, but they'd be getting out of $100 million of Batum. That's the kind of deal I think they should be thinking of. You know, I don't think that they- Get a good player and a, and a shitty contract that's of a good player back. There was a piece in The Athletic, I think it was by, was it, was it Varden? Or uh, was it Jason, J- Lloyd. Jason Lloyd? That was basically just like, the Le- LeBron and the front office are not communicating. You know, there is no discussion that Kobe Altman seems like a nice guy, but is in over his head, that Gilbert is essentially still in charge of basketball decisions here. You said it in the beginning of this segment, this is going to end so badly. They can't even fire Lou and bring in Fisdale to like pull a blat because why would Fisdale do that and get stuck in Cleveland when LeBron jets? I think from what I've heard, part of this is that, first of all, he, LeBron knew about all the Kyrie trade stuff. He can play dumb whatever he wants, but for them not to run that stuff by LeBron would be basketball suicide. You're not going to trade his running mate, not tell him. So he gets shopped around. Kyrie finds out. The whole thing falls apart. They realize they have to trade him. Kyrie's like, I'm never playing with that guy again. 
Now they're shopping him around. There's no trade. Boston gets involved. Kyrie decides he wants to go to Boston. They, they shut everybody else out. This trade goes down. And then I think, I forget who it was, maybe Gilbert. Somebody was like, wait, how hurt is Isaiah? And they were like, oh, Boston told us he'd probably be back around Christmas, January. Now there's this back and forth. They tell LeBron about it. LeBron's like, we're trading for Isaiah and he might not play until the All-Star break. What the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> we're getting a pickback. How does that help? We're getting Jay Crowder and a pickback. How does that help me this year? And they go back and forth. They stare down Boston. All they get is a second round pick and they blink and they make the trade. And I think from that point on, LeBron was like, if, if this motherfucker's hurt when he comes here, I'm never going to, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that's real. And I think that's part of the reason he's pissed is because they told him Isaiah was going to, no, no, our doctor said he'll be back in January. And he comes back, he's got no legs. And he's not only not an asset, but he's one of the biggest liabilities in the league. And I think LeBron- And he's blowing up the locker room every night. Yeah, and, he, and I think LeBron's like, really? Really? And, and he wanted to get rid of Kevin Love, obviously, that whole summer. That got leaked out. And then I think there's some Gilbert LeBron stuff. And I think Gilbert's clearly like- Fuck this guy. I got my title out of him. The one thing I would say about the Gilbert LeBron stuff is that it's just worth thinking about how much LeBron means to the area around. I don't mean this in a, in a Ohio. Um, yeah, I don't, but I don't mean that emotionally. I mean, financially Gilbert has a lot of interest in that downtown area where the, where the queue is. And it, mm. I think that it's in his best interest to try and keep the most popular NBA player of the last 20 Except years. Except he put the team for sale. Or did he? I mean, like, did or he? Or did he? I don't know. Yeah. And which is, it's why it's weird that they're kind of, Pearl clutching the Brooklyn pick because it seems like they are very much in next year mode while ignoring the fact that they could still make this one like run go well and also profitable for everyone involved, which is why I've been advocating for them to just go all in on this team. I don't think it works. Uh, but, I wouldn't do it. If I was a Cavs fan, I'd be pissed if they traded the Brooklyn pick. Well, I mean, there, that is maybe a, a little that, bit better. That, you have to distinguish, though. There is like a Cavs fan who's like, sure, like we can always rebuild with Isaiah, Kevin Love and the Brooklyn pick. I and mean, that's not rebuilding. No, but I, but they're not winning the title. Why am I giving that Brooklyn pick away unless I can win the title with the trade? There's no trade out there that they can that can fix this. I would just say roll the dice with it, just because I don't know with what, what though. Give me a player. <laughs> um, I think DJ makes some sense in that team. I know for he's the not, Brooklyn pick, at least to make it to another finals. You're giving yourself an opportunity to do it. Get George Hill in there. I like the Kemba deal. That why, you would, why didn't the George Hill deal happen? Because he's washed up and he makes $20 million a year for the next three years. <laughs> yeah, next year he does Kyle, have a lot can of can we get another mic for Jason? Uh, Jason Concepcion joined us. We're going to talk about uh, yeah his, uh, his 24 hours of mourning in a second. We're talking about the Cavs right now. Would you trade the Brooklyn pick... No. To try to save this season. No. I am in the no way camp. No way. I, unless LeBron says, I will stay, you do not trade that. It's It would be suicide. He's so, going to leave. You need to build for the future. I don't care if it's not a lottery pick. You have to You have to keep it. You have to what if LeBron to says, I'll stay? He says that and you believe him? Justin, what are the seller cap rules? Would they have to... Would they have to... I don't, they can't extend him during the season. Yeah. He would almost have to sign something yes. like a legal document that says, but I don't even know if that's legal. It would almost have to be a handshake deal and he could still fuck them on it at the end. Right. A lot of these things with LeBron involve Gilbert and LeBron trusting each other, which and is they hate the each whole, other. Yeah. It's the whole issue to begin with. Yeah. I, so let's say DeAndre Jordan and Avery Bradley for. And you have, you, to, you have to take Tristan Thompson back. I'm great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great. Channing Fry's con free, uh, expiring. Of course, the podcast also. And the Channing Fry podcast and the Brooklyn pick. Um. Yeah. If does you, that save Cleveland season? Because I don't think it does. I don't think it saves it, but oh, it by stabilizes the way, it. By the way, they can't make that trade because Avery Bradley can't be combined with another right. player on the trade. So cross <laughs> that right. one off. Yeah. That's out. Uh. I, so DeAndre Jordan, Austin Rivers. That's, I mean, that's a lateral. That's a lateral move at best. You know, yeah. like a, a lateral move at best. I, I honestly. What about struggle. Zach Lowe's idea of Aaron Gordon for the Brooklyn pick? Does that entice LeBron at all? LeBron, you know, hey, Aaron Gordon, he's got a career winning percentage of two eighty. <laughs> Any interest? But he's the type of guy they need. Like he's shooting a little bit yeah. better. He's rangy on defense. I think he and LeBron would be a terror in, in the postseason on defense. I, yeah, I think. That is the 
least bad of the trade the Brooklyn pick options because at right. least then you get a young guy yeah, who you can build around. That, the, the entire thing here is, and this is just why this situation with LeBron, I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it definitely feels like we're living in a Black Mirror episode where it's like, sure. how can you make that deal if you don't know if LeBron's coming yeah. back? Even if it's just a one-year one-on-one, like you just, how can you make any of these decisions if you don't know if the best player in basketball is or is not going to be on your team next year? Yeah, My this def- is just the, like the, all of these conversations. Well, at, least he said, at least he said nothing and offered no guarantees right. whatsoever. Yeah, and he actually signaled as if like it's like I could never do that to my teammates. It's right. like, <laughs> granted, that's really nice of you, but why not say like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't really like the way this. Like, I can't make any promises about the summer. He says he's going to handle it every every summer the same way. Look, I mean, it's weird because I was kind of. Not to compare myself to LeBron, but in a little bit of a similar situation my last year at ESPN with Grantland. Mm-hmm. Remember, after I got suspended Who and everybody's like, is he leaving? Is yeah. he staying? And I didn't know. And uh, I kept trying to get the message across like, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but we have a fucking awesome site. Let's keep going. And yeah. we all kind of stuck together. At least until and I you didn't you didn't listen to me and Jason for right. Zadie Smith. You right. know what I mean? Like- <laughs> but I but I wasn't like I wasn't saying to people. Guys, I don't know, man. I got to keep my options open. We'll see how this plays out. Could who knows? Yeah, I can't make a commitment. I, you know, I. It doesn't seem like he's been that honest with anybody, and he has the history now of ditching two franchises, which doesn't help either. He left them in 2010. He left Miami in 2014 pretty abruptly. Quite abruptly. So yes. if you're on that team, you're like, all right. Let's say you're Kevin Love. You know they tried to trade you last year. You know, in 2016, if that Kyrie shot doesn't go in in game seven, Kevin Love's ass is getting traded that summer. He knows that for a fact. Yes. Um, So he's like, how can he trust anything? If you're JR and Tristan Thompson, you're just, you're you're gone. If you're Isaiah Thomas, you're thinking about this $100 million contract you had that (laughs) sailed away. If you're Jay Crowder, you hate life. Like, (laughs) you can kind of see why this chemistry has gone down. They're like, this guy might leave and we're a mess. My defense of the trading everything and even including the Brooklyn pick is that it's an anti half measure move. Either trade LeBron or go all in because by walking the middle line, you're not saving anything. But like, they can't sure. trade LeBron. The no trade. No, yeah, I'm, what I'm it. saying is like he should be able to wave it. You should be like, get the hell out of here. We're going in a different direction. Where would you or trade just him? go. Ooh, I love this question. Uh, I advocated for Denver. Now, oh. you'd, you'd have to trade a lot of the good guys that Denver has to get him. But like, let's say you're able to maintain Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, big Lonzo, Nikola Jokic. Like, I really like that team. That could be interesting. And if you're Denver, like you get the gate from uh, the rest of the season, the playoff run, like maybe LeBron's like, Oh, I'm a businessman. I want to get into the pot industry. (laughs) 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 He can do that in California. King edibles. Yeah. 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 I think I'll tell fun. you what, just for the first time in 18 hours, Jason's thinking about something other than Porzingis right now. <laughs> I can see like there's a smile on his face finally. That Well, that was me thinking about uh, Jeff Sessions thinking about uh, LeBron James getting into the medicinal yeah, podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Denver's kind of interesting. I can't imagine it happening. I think LeBron at this point is like the... Irish Catholic wife in the fifties in the bad marriage. It just has to play it out. Yeah. Like you can't, he can't the, n- nobody in your neighborhood's gotten divorced. Machiavelli and an Irish Catholic housewife. <laughs> it's more like you can't be both things. And that's the thing that I well, think maybe he's like so Betty Draper. is that Isaiah has kind of filled the void of LeBron talking. Like LeBron usually is the one Isaiah's who's like, talking. you guys are fitting out or I'm not, you know, like he's the one who probably was like, it's okay. If you want to fire Blatt, I will not kick up a, a fuss. It, it, Isaiah is actually like, filling a vacuum where LeBron used to be a lot more, you know, vocal about the direction of the team. He could come out and just be like, the guys we have right now cannot win the finals. We need to make a change. And he's done it before. He's done that before. It's kind of unbelievable what Isaiah is doing, though. It'd be like at the ringer if we had a copy editor who was just putting up raw copy accidentally (laughs) and (laughs) writing pieces that got us in legal trouble. And he was like, guys, we got to get we can't be this sloppy. This is your fault. Who, by the way, had just gotten here. Right. Right. And And has been on sick leave for the last like three months. And it's never went anything. (laughs) And then when they get in, they're like, here's the thing about me. 
I'm a bad copy editor and I'm a narcoleptic, so I'm not often awake. Are you guys trying to tell me something? <laughs> That's right. It's just a coincidence that you got here a while ago. Yeah, it, he is having Jason. You do an NBA desktop. You do the uh, the spice section. Yeah, I think Isaiah's had some of the spiciest takes. It's that have no real merit or any sort of legs whatsoever. Him saying we've ever seen him saying, "Hey, you know, like teams I've been on." Defense is measured by deflections, getting on the floor, getting steals. It's like who's who's doing those things? Not yeah. you, my guy. Also, yeah. like, the one good team you've been on because the other teams were not good, <laughs> right? Yeah, the other team was. There was a two month run where I was on Phoenix and we were awesome. The self awareness is just like it's on another level. Actually, it, you know, we're obviously talking about it, but if you look at his tape, you're like. This guy gets a mid-level exception. But if he keeps talking like this, yeah. maybe it gets just in people's heads where it's like, man, it sounds like that was such a shit show in Cleveland. Let's let's pay this guy. I don't I don't think he gets that. Yeah, I don't know either. I think with with his uh physical condition and the way he's played this year, I don't think he makes gets more than like four or five million in for one year. That's I wouldn't pay him I can't more than imagine. Minimum. Yeah. Like, like until he it, shows he's healthy. What's what's put Jason to the test here? The New York Knicks. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's it's July eighth. Wojbomb, Knicks, and Isaiah Thomas in serious oh. discussions. What would that contract look like? It, Based on, let's assume Isaiah never gets better than what we're seeing right now. <laughs> what would that contract look like for you not to be bummed out? It would like a like a minimum contract, like one Below, year, two million. Yes, because if he never gets better, yes, it would have to be. I absolutely minimal. There's contract. two. The, the legs might come back a little, but what I don't see it, coming back potentially using is, the MLE on him would be, <laughs> would be freaking disastrous. disastrous. The recklessness, I have a hard time believing, is going to come back. The way he used to go fly right. to the rim and right. just bounce off dudes, and I watched that dude for two and a half years, convinced he was going to break his wrist at any point. Yeah. Every time he went in, it was like, oh god. And and he just it never happened. He had this ability to kind of land almost like a running back. Here's the but thing: but now though. he's not playing that way anymore. And uh, I, there was a piece today about this on on Cleveland.com. So I'm I'm not trying to steal the tape. You're, but like, you're plugging a lot of websites yeah. today. What if Isaiah's right? What if there, a lot of what he's saying is right? <laughs> oh, well, I think no. he is right. What he's if, just not the one who should be saying it. What if is not as good as Brad Stevens and doesn't make halftime adjustments? What if the defensive scheme could be calibrated to actually fit the talent that they have rather than this imaginary idea of whatever, you know, pseudo Tibbs help stuff that they're doing? Like, be like, okay, we've got one guard who can't really run around that much. Let's right. figure out a way not to make him have to cover 25 feet of ground to get the corner shooter when he has to rotate. What if they don't make adjustments? Why are they still taking 23 threes and a half when they're up by 20 points instead of grinding out possessions and like limiting the amount of times that Orlando can take shots? Like, where is the... I mean, I know that Ty wasn't in the game last night, but there's still like a weird... They're playing as if they still are like JR, Kyle Korver, Channing Fry, Kevin Love surrounding the yeah. arc and shooting. It's like, that's not this team anymore. I think the part of the problem is those names, those those veteran names make all the money, have all the political clout in the organization and also don't play that hard. Like it's their second unit that is that grinds out defensive possessions and you can't play those guys without JR and various other people throwing fits. So I, Ty Lu, who may not be a good coach, is also just not in a great position to really be pulling strings. I have a way to save this. So... Can we all agree that if LeBron goes to another level, he could single-handedly save this? He's been on worse teams. Sure. He played, you know, he I don't know. They almost did. made yeah. the finals with Larry Hughes and Ben Wallace's corpse and Delonte West. I mean, they I mean did he's do been it on last worse year. teams. And he did it earlier in the season, but I'm at the point, and I was at this point during the second half of the last game, is like, if he doesn't get his week to coast, if he doesn't get yeah. some plays off, I wonder if he's going to be able to be effective later in the season. Well, this is how we fix yeah. it. So LeBron is all about LeBron empowerment, right? He's he launches he doesn't launch a business with guys who've done it before. He does it with his buddies. The pot business, yeah. Maverick the pot blaze. <laughs> the, blaze. the other blaze. King Blaze. <laughs> the other blaze. Yeah. Maverick Carter runs his uh multimedia side, shall right. we call it? I'm being generous. Uh Rich Paul runs the agency. Right. So he's got another friend, Randy. What if Randy becomes the coach? Ooh. <laughs> Randy takes over for Ty Lue. It's it's 
Literally, they're like, this is LeBron's buddy. And LeBron's like, I got to prove I can make any coach work. It's my buddy, Randy, and just goes all in. Or maybe it's somebody else that LeBron likes. Yeah, I mean, he already but, handpicked Ty Lue and forced out David Blatt. So poor I mean, David might as well Blatt. just go 100% so, in the way. Big winner out of this whole thing, David Blatt. <laughs> is he really? I mean, where is he coaching in Turkey right now? I have no I'm idea. I'm just trying to make him feel better. <laughs> It was like when I texted you last night about it. Oh, at my. least you have a lottery pick, maybe. I, well, listen, I really hope we better have that lottery pick. The fact that Jared, this is, I'm getting ahead of it. All right, hold on. We'll, yeah, hold that yeah, yeah. So we don't think there's a major trade to save the Cavs. No. We don't see any situation where this team becomes happier. And I didn't even, I had a little spice take for you. Let's hear it. Um, from what I'm hearing, sources say. Ooh. Dwayne, Dwayne Wade's clubhouse lawyerdom has not helped, not helped matters. In what way? It's a little bit of a clubhouse lawyer. So like he instigates shit? He stirs stuff up? I don't up? know if he's instigating. I think, I, I don't think he's somebody you want on the boat when it's going down. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Especially at this point in his career. I mean- I've heard this from a couple of people. Like, it's funny how these Dwayne Wade teams always seem to degenerate into a complete locker room debacle. Hmm. This has now happened three times in four years. To your and then Jason point earlier, like who are the role players on this team? Who are like the chemistry guys on this team? It's a bunch of older, past their prime guys who still kind of behave like superstars. And that's like one of Isaiah's problems right now is like he's still trying to play like peak Isaiah and he's not that guy. Dwayne yeah. Wade might still yeah. be a think like I'm Dwayne Wade. Yeah, exactly. But he's not. Also, he if can't you're jump. JR, Amon, Tristan, Channing, you're like, everything was all good. We went to three straight finals. Right. Why did we like, switch it up? I, I took I took my shirt off like what's the problem we are high and on now, itunes rankings yeah and now it's derrick rose Dwayne wade isaiah thomas all these rando guys in here all of whom are probably like i was the star x years ago on my team yeah. this is how i wanted things to go we we should practice we shouldn't practice thompson's the one guy i would trade for if if i had space because he's young and he's done it and i think the reasons he's not doing it right now really have nothing to do with whether he's talented or not you don't believe in the kardashian curse I think if the put it this way, if the Clippers flip DeAndre for Thompson in that Brooklyn pick, mm -hmm. which I think they should do in five seconds, and he was in LA where the Kardashians are, and his girlfriend was here, and he was just happy, and I actually think he would play well. I think that's a good bet. And if the bet fails, you have next year's contract. The year after, you were over the, way over the cap anyway with Gallinari. Yeah, they, I mean, I would do that if the Brooklyn pick was in it. Harold's been good, and he would play a similar role for the Clippers, for instance. And if you get a pick yeah. with him, I'd say bring him along. This is there. This is it, though. Like, I mean, like I, I, I was, I was pretty bullish about them a little earlier in the season. I was like, you know, like they can always flip it. They've only really been good this season playing against bad teams. When in that in that one run they had, well, they're six and thirteen. That's as bad of a yeah. of a streak, I think, that I can ever remember a team yeah, that made the finals having. Yeah, and they're not just six and thirteen because of some bad bounces. Yeah, they, they're, they're getting, getting murdered. They're yeah. getting destroyed. At Did you same, notice they had a they had a point differential that's worse than it's actually negative. The post Christmas <laughs> they're numbers negative. They're are like zero point yeah. six for they're the year. They're a lottery year. team. They're a lottery team after Christmas. And they I, might end up being a lottery team. I was looking at ESPN's playoff odds, and they projected them to have the same amount of wins as the Sixers and Bucks. So. Congratulations, wow. Chris. All right, let's let's uh, quickly audible to. Um, Should we start Danny Boy playing in the <laughs> oh background? <my> <laughs> you, what was yesterday's date? January seventh? No, sixth. Yesterday was January sixth. Mm -hmm. The tragic yeah. events of one oh. six. Oh. It was. Were you uh, watching? I was watching. I had switched over to another game. I switched over to Raps Celtics, and then it came across the Slack. Chris steps down and it looks bad. Switch and the back. Slack doesn't usually overreact. Yeah, when whenever you hear it looks bad, that's a chill went down my my body. I switched over to the uh, to the Knicks game, the Knicks feed, and it was this weird thing where, you know, they were at commercial, so you were getting the in arena feed of just like players milling around, and I was like, what? I give me the replay, 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 and then when I the replay finally came up, it looked like a like a like an ankle. Because his his that's foot what I, wobbled. That's what I thought too. And but he but, held the knee. But after. then he held the knee. Yeah. And uh, that's when I got scared. And you know, it's a t it's absolutely devastating. Carlin Kolker, his fifty uh, two year old muscle bound physician who is totally on the up and up. What are you doing, my guy? Like time to get to work. Now is the <laughs> time to earn that money. Let's bring him back stronger than ever. Uh, you know, Zach Levine just came back from an ACL. Looks looks good. Hmm. 
So Chris Apps is a young guy. I'm hopeful. You don't have any kids, right? No. You do have a dog. I do. How old's your dog? Seven. What's the biggest scare you've had with your dog? He uh, he bit a into a electric wire once and electrocuted himself. Where would you rank that against the tragic events of one six? <laughs> 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 I, it would not even in the same galaxy. This is sad. I mean, it's really sad. And also, you know, it's it's hard to not think about the difficulties that guys of that size face with injuries that occur below the waist. We talked about that before you came on. Yeah. The seven foot three guys and up. It's tough. It's a 90% this is bad rate. I, I will say that I would be more scared if it was the foot. And also this, it, as an aside, this is why I don't, I, I, he needs to get stronger, obviously. I hope he doesn't put on weight. To me, that's the thing that, that did in Yao Ming is when he started to get bulky and, and, and big. And Sean Bradley. And Sean Bradley. When they started to get big and put on that weight because, you know, they need to be more muscular, that's when they really started to break down. He needs to stay, get, get more lean, but basically stay at the weight he's at. Um, we were saying concerned. earlier that I, I do think, I think all of us think he needs to refine his game a little bit yeah. so it's not as risky. Yes. And maybe study Rick Smith's tapes for the next 10, 11 months about really staying on the low post, kind of picking your spots. Right. You were always on the, on the, uh, he should never play more than 28 to 30 minutes a game. They, he should never be over 2000 minutes for a season, all that stuff, which Pump of the course they didn't him. listen to you. Pump the brakes on him. And you know, like some of his play style also, just the way he, those rim runs that he does yeah, we were talking about when that. he, you know, the one handed dunks where he lands on the one leg. Or he's going into the cameraman and all that stuff. If he could just tone the recklessness down a little bit, maybe hang on the rim a little bit when he's coming down, that would be great. Um, I don't mean to bum you out, but... (laughs) Great. I'm going to bum you out. Well, I think poorly run teams, stuff like this is a little more prone to happen too. So you look at a team like New Orleans, Boogie goes down with an Achilles and it's a fluke. Right. Also, not really a fluke because he was playing crazy minutes for a big guy. Right. And New the Orleans. league is different. Um, I think hey, I'm still waiting to read the right piece about this, but I'm convinced. Like, man, just watch the games from the 80s. Those guys were not running like this in the <laughs> 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Big guys were not running like this. Yeah. People weren't jumping out on shooters 40 times a game. And, yeah. and, uh, and I think the more poorly run teams really put their guys in jeopardy. And with it, something like Porzingis, like we were always wonder why isn't Frankie Smokes playing more? It's, why is Porzingis playing in the 30s in Hornacek these games? Hornacek is trying not to get fired. That's exactly. Why. Whereas yeah. you take a team like the Celtics, not right. to bring up my beloved Celtics, but like they have this London game and they have this terrible schedule and they have all these games before this London game to make up for the fact that they're not going to have games after. And they're sitting Kyrie. In these and he games. looks at yeah. he's like, Kyrie's playing 32 minutes a game. That's it. Yeah. I don't care if my second unit gets killed. We're benching. Yeah. Oh, this guy's a little banged up. He's not playing today. And was just careful about it. And the reason he gets to be careful about that is because he's got a GM and he's got owners yeah. and they all make this decision collectively. Then you look at the Knicks who are a fucking train wreck. Yeah. Who is having that conver- conversation to say, hey man, should we really be playing Porzingis 42 minutes and so-and-so game? Or like, why don't we, be- why don't we just bench him on a back-to-back and but try you know, Hernan Gomez? If the Knicks went three in a row, that place is like a house on that's fire. A, like they go out of their minds for the that's Knicks. That's part of the problem is, is you get a, the team gets addicted to those short-term wins, yeah. those little sugar, sugar bumps of, of, of three, two, three wins in five games, three wins in a row. Uh, the house is rocking, and all of a sudden the tabloids are like the Knicks. Here they come! Back. Here they come! Enos Cantor sneaking the into the is, is, is he one of the best uh, <laughs> Knicks teammates that's ever been? You know, like Tim Hardaway Jr. finally putting it together, and the team gets sucked into that. It's happened again and again, and it's really hard to rebuild in that town simply because they've never had the execs in the front office that's been able to tune out like all that noise and just be like, okay, we're going to bear down and just rebuild, play the young guys, develop them. Yeah, the fact that Frankie Smokes is not playing 30 minutes a game is crazy. Why is Jarrett Jack on the floor this much? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Isaiah's going to be great there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, it, ha- maybe it happens now. And of course, it's like, you know, great timing to, to uh, trade Billy Hernan Gomez 12 hours later when a slot opens up to see what he can really I do. I like how you call him Billy. Billy, and this is what, it, this is what his name is. <laughs> yeah, no one can really determine what it actually is, but I guess Billy means Willie in Spanish well, I, or something. As I understand it, his, uh, his uh, I think his mother is German and something, something or other, they pronounce the W as a B. I don't, sure. this is, 
what they said. I have the trade for you. Let's hear it. Cantor. Okay, great. Comes off next year. Yep. Kylo Quinn comes off next year, mm-hmm. who I think we all like. He's I like kind him. of an sure. underrated bench guy. Courtney Lee. Okay. You're taking back Kevin Love and you're taking back uh, Iman and some money. You might even take Isaiah Thomas in the trade too. You're basically taking as much money as you can possibly Why take for this year. Just to get off of all that money? To get some role players to cut their luxury tax down by whatever and to basically start the bridge to start over. So LeBron definitely bounces. Because that's, that's they think the he's kind bouncing of crap anyway. that like, was happening in Miami at the end of Miami. But you could argue they're a better team with that trade. Cantor, if you turn Kevin yeah. Love, who's not playing, into Cantor for a year, uh, who are the other two guys? O'Quinn and, O'Quinn and uh, Courtney Lee. Yeah. Cantor and LeBron would be fantastic. Just forcing LeBron to play with Cantor for the rest of the year is like the ultimate shade move. Can you yeah. imagine? <laughs> Cantor, LeBron comes in, it's like Cantor and O'Quinn are like, let's do it, chief. The thing about Cantor is like, if you're on a team that's trying to develop young guys and maybe win 43 to 45 games, Cantor is your guy. He, double, I double, think he's been an awesome Double, Nick. double machine, offensive rebounding savant. Fights. Can put, fights, he will support you. He can put up numbers. Split lip, he's but, playing with stitches in his lip. But if you're a team like with aspirations, his his weaknesses can be exposed again and again and again. You know, just like doesn't rotate, not All a right, defender. That trade probably doesn't rim. work. I'm yeah. just trying to make you feel better. Yeah, I just think if, if, if you have aspirations, Enos Cantor is not your guy. If you're trying to win 42 games, great. The Knicks are my dream scenario for Kevin Love because I think him and Porzingis actually make sense in my head, the geometry Mm. of it, of having a stretch five with a guy who can't protect the rim but should be around the rim. And unless he's playing with a stretch five, I'm not sure Kevin Love makes sense in the NBA we're watching these days. Yeah, Yeah, I still like the fit with Anthony Davis. I mean, if DeMarcus didn't get hurt, that would have made a lot of sense for both sides. Are we sure they're not going to trade that boogie contract for something? That's the one thing I haven't seen floated out there, but he makes like almost 20. I feel like that's just like the perfect, like, hey, they could lifeboat we, him. we were yeah. doing so good with Boogie. Well, let's just try this again in a year, you know? Yeah. Let's yeah. try that. What does that look like? I mean, you can't give him a max extension when he's, that Achilles thing is worse than any other it's injury worse. you can have. I, like, I think he and AD get along really well. They have the Kentucky thing going on. So I wonder like how much they need to appease AD versus like, what else can they get for Boogie? Like, can yeah. you get like half of his value, even if he's like 10% diminished? I don't know. They're in a tough spot. Yeah. They've been in a tough spot for quite a while. Yeah, it's a shame because they were really growing on me. Oh, as yeah. There was yeah. also like, there was such I a I was different... watching them and going, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so many teams sort of play the same way right now. To watch them was kind of exciting. Just like the high, low stuff that they yeah. were doing that, was really awesome. That Rockets win was probably their best yeah. that I had seen in the past three years just because yeah. of what it meant and like what it foretold for like their future in the yeah, They beat the Rockets and Boston. And I think yeah. they almost beat Golden State. And yeah. yeah. It's like four or five or something. But his like playmaking that. was a revelation. It was really great. Yeah. One thing we should mention well two things we should mention one is that uh the standings right now it's really not that hard for the knicks to drop right now they're at 23 wins lakers at 22 and playing fantastic brooklyn's at 19 nothing to tank for they'll keep going so now you're looking at memphis at 18 wins and under them chicago phoenix sacramento orlando atlanta dallas all between 17 and 18 wins the Knicks could go into the top four pretty easily if they wanted it. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I'm looking at the conference in the East. Cleveland's at 30 wins. Miami's in the seventh seed at 29 wins. Cleveland could drop to seven if they lose two more games. Oof. Your seven and eight seeds heading into the playoffs, really realistically, the best bet are going to be Cleveland and Philly and maybe Detroit. Two of those three. (laughs) All three teams, I don't want to play in round one, by the way, if I'm the Boston Celtics. I don't want to see LeBron in round one. I don't want to see Joel Embiid with rest between games in round one. And I'm not sure I want to see Blake Griffin and Andre German in round one. I don't want to see any of those teams. I decided to get that off my chest. I don't think the Pistons will make it. So there's one you can can scratch Really? No, I, I I don't believe in them. I just think like the Heat are just like they have too much of a machine going on. I love the Pacers for some well, reason. See, I, I think I think earmuffs, Chris. I think Philly's the the weak link out of those because of the wow, M- really because mm. of the Embiid thing. Are we sure Embiid's yeah. going to play thirty I mean, more games? Yeah, 
The safest bet would be him getting hurt and Philly not Have making it. Have you seen it? Fultz dunking in practice recently? Did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Maybe he doesn't need to shoot. It's the year of Chris. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe two of the starting five don't need to shoot. Did you see Fultz taking that over the head, like half court yeah. shot? What if he? What if he just takes those? Yeah, over the head half court <laughs> shots and dunks. Just, you can't have a new, hitch. In that's your dunk. the new NBA. <laughs> here's here's how you fix Fultz. You bring Nick Foles over to him, and, and Nick Foles says, "Markel, I love you. I love all you guys." <laughs> <laughs> Let's run the Philly special. And Fultz's career magically turns around. Nick Fultz like, do you believe in God, Marco? Do you have a savior? I think maybe Nick Foles is the savior for him. All right. On that note, do we see Fultz this season, Chris? Yes. Yes. No. Who plays it's more coming. games this season, Fultz or Porzingis? No, Porzingis. No, Porzingis. right. After the All-Star break. Oh, oh not in total. Uh, Fultz is going to play. Fultz. He's going to play. So 0.5 games, you're betting the over on Marco Fultz. Yes. Are we, okay, are we more, counting the G League? No, no G League. They won't do that to him. That would destroy him. <laughs> the, okay, more uh, over under 15 games for Marco Fultz. This year? Yeah. Probably I'm going to say over. From now. Ooh. I'm going to bang the under on that one. <laughs> over? All right, how about this? Over under seven games. If it goes over, I owe you dinner. And if it goes under, you owe me dinner. Sure. I'll take that bet. How many games he's going to play? This season. Oh, I'll take that bet. Seven. Yeah. Over seven? Has, yeah. To, has to play eight games this year. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I understand. You're going over. Yeah. There's 30 games left. I got you. I think he's coming back. He is risen. Wow. It's almost Easter. I got to tell you. <laughs> A rational confidence Eagles just won the Super Bowl. That's right. <laughs> Anything is possible. We did the Eagles won the Super Bowl. We did the Miami Vice rewatchables, and now Fultz is coming back. It's all coming. Everything's going on, Chris. We'll wait for Chris. Uh, Jason, I'm sorry about the tragic events of one six. It's brutal, but you know, hopefully, we get a top pick now. Justin, thank you. Chris Ryan, thank you. Thanks, nephew Kyle. Thank you. Uh, Ringer NBA show coming back tomorrow. Trade deadline show. Be ready for that. Be ready for the BS podcast. Uh, also tomorrow. Post trade deadline, unless nothing happens, and then I might just do it on Friday. Don't forget to check out theringer.com. We have a lot of good trade deadline uh, NBA stuff coming. I have a column coming on Friday, and uh, and that's it. Thanks for listening.